So, uh, yeah, it's a little fun. I actually, uh, you know, talked to Pastor Mark, and I said, can I extend Father's Day one more day? So that's what we decided to do. Now, really, what I want to talk about today is the right kind of father. Last week, we talked about the right kind of man. What does it take to be the right kind of father? And I, I think I have a sense of humor. I know Pastor Mark does. And I think it's good to have a sense of humor because life can be kind of hard. Things can be difficult. Um, sometimes life is not always easy, right? But that's the reason why we have God, because he loves us, he cares about us. And what I'm going to be able to share with you today is how God was a father to Jesus. And it's kind of something that, uh, through a study that uh, Pastor Adam and I did, uh, it's on Right Now Media, it's called uh, Raising a, a Modern Day Knight. It's a really good study, and, and actually basically taking one verse, and there's three points in this one verse in the Bible, that he builds off three points to be a good father. Now again, this, this could apply not just to fathers, but this applies to all of us, but being close to Father's Day last week, I think this is something we can all look at, and us men can rise to the occasion to be. And even if you don't have children, uh, this is a great, great thing to learn, to mentor and develop as I think about ministry, as I think about the teenagers and adults that I've ministered to, uh, my ministry, I think about how this has helped me. So let's begin by reading the first verse that I want to share with you today. And like I said, I'll point out to you that there's several verses here, or phrases here, that will actually be points in the message today. So Luke chapter 3, verse 22, it says this. It says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in boldly form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. So I'll give you another second to look at that if you'd like, because it's one that you might want to highlight. And I'll go ahead and share these points, and I'll reiterate them as we go. But uh, as we look at this, how did God respond to Jesus being baptized? Well, after his baptism by John the Baptist, Jesus is raising out of the water, and all of a sudden this dove, or not, it's not a dove, I should say that, preface it that, that it appears the Holy Spirit is descending upon Jesus like a dove, on Jesus, kind of just being a statement from God that this is my beloved son. Now here's the words, not only did Jesus hear it, not only did John the Baptist, all those that were gathered at this time heard the, and it says a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Now my three points today, and it came from this raising a modern day night is this, is that God is blessing his son and he's saying some things to his son in front of people. And that is the first point, is that God is acknowledging Jesus. He's giving some acknowledgement to Christ. He's also, and I'll go ahead and before we move on, talk about the fact that he loves his son and he's willing to say it. And also, lastly, he's pleased with him. He's proud of him. And so these are some things as fathers that we want to bestow on our kids to let them know as a father and my sons and even my daughter to know that I'm pleased with them, I'm proud of them. But let's go ahead and move on to the first point, acknowledgement. And this acknowledgement is this, 
to take notice of them, to take notice of some of their accomplishments. And I will talk about me being a father because I am. There are many times where I don't even acknowledge my kids are accomplishing things or doing things because maybe I'm too, too proud as a father or maybe I just don't take the time to really notice, to be honest with you. There's times where I could look at them and see things that they're doing and encourage them by just acknowledging the fact that they're doing things with their life. Not to, I think as sometimes as a father, we want to make sure our kids are you know, walking the straight and narrow, which is very important. And I'm not talking about discipline, but discipline is a very important thing as a father. But today I want to share some things that we don't usually talk about. And it's this acknowledgement with our kids to say, hey, I know you, you belong to me. This, you know, as, as it phrases in this verse in Luke, that he talks about the fact that you're my son, ownership. You belong to me. My boys, Xavier and Isaiah, my daughter, Isabella, they belong to me, they're mine. And I wanna acknowledge that. Acknowledge that they're my kids, not just people that take up space in my home. Not that they're just, uh, you know, uh, making things cost more as they, as they live their life and it takes money to buy them clothes and to do things with them. And, and it's always, you know, we don't eat out as much out to, out to eat because it, it's five of us now and they're all growing so they're more like adult meals, right? <laughs> so you gotta adjust your way of living. But it's an acknowledgement as a father to look and see what they do, to pay attention of the things that they do in their life, to acknowledge their achievements, even if they think it's a small achievement, that if we could go beside them and, and kind of encourage them along. We went to a Global Leadership Summit, and I think I may have shared this before, but, but Andy Stanley talked about being a wow person instead of a how person. And so many times we wanna go to our kids and our kids will come up with an idea or a thought and we're like, well, how are you gonna do that? Instead of like, wow, that's really cool, son. You actually have something that you wanna do or, or daughter, you wanna do this and that's great. A lot of times we wanna be the one that, that, well, how are you gonna do this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about it? Instead of appreciating the, the thought that they had feelings and desires and other things like that. So let's move on to the next part. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse four through seven. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because in, the, in 1 John we find that God is love. And so this is to me, anytime we talk about the definition of love, because there's definitely a, wor a different worldly love, right? The world's love is totally different than God. But here we find the definition of love and Paul wrote this down for us so that we could look at it and see what love is really like, what it should be like. And so we can look at this and knowing that God is love in 1 John, he tells us that God is love, that, that God is equal to what love is. Love is God. That we can look at this and see God's name being placed in here as you see love, you can almost replace it for God. So as I'm gonna look, you're gonna look at this and see this, but I'm gonna have, just read it, and I want you to kind of look at it with the eyes of God being in place of love. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not dishonored others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It 
always protects, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And that last part in verse eight, love never fails. Well, let's take that for a moment and, and just kind of build off that. If God is love, and this is the definition of what love really is, not the world's definition, this is what love really is about. Well, let's look at it this way. As I go on to the next line, I've, I've removed the, the love. I've removed, I've removed the word love out of the next slide here. And as you look at it, what if, what if I embodied love? What if I would have be more like God and love my kids as God would have me to? If I really cared about them. So I'm gonna replace my name and insert my name in this, in this portion, not saying that I've achieved this at all, okay? But if I could aspire to be this, what would it be like? Eric is patient. Eric is kind. Eric does not envy. Eric does not boast. Eric is not proud. Eric does not dishonor others. Eric is not self-seeking. Eric is not easily angered. Eric keeps no record of wrongs. Eric does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. I'm gonna break this last one down a little bit more. Eric always protects. Eric always trusts. Eric always hopes. Eric always perseveres. If I could embody that as a father, as a man, what difference in this world I can make for Christ? Isn't it, to me, it's just interesting that Jesus is coming out of the water. He's going to start his ministry. He's being baptized by John the Baptist. Right after this, he's going to start assembling his disciples. God speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son my beloved, dearly loved son. I love him. We don't just see this one time. We see this multiple occasions. I'm picking out one verse here. But we see that God, and he's wanting the whole world to know. He's not just loved, he's dearly loved. What kind of father could we be? What kind of father could I be if I strive not that I'm perfect, because I'm going to share with you a story that I just messed up on Friday. I just totally blew it as a dad, and I'll share that story with you here in a second. But if I could aspire to be this kind of person, if I could try to live my life in such a way that would embody this kind of person, that I would not hold uh, no record of wrong, that I'm not proud, I'm humble that I'm not easily angered as a father, that I always hope and I always persevere. I love that part too at the end, always persevere. Because as a dad, sometimes I don't do everything I should. Sometimes I don't give my kids the acknowledgement that they need. Sometimes I'm busy. Sometimes I'm thinking that the thing that I'm working on is kind of more important than what they're working on. And all they need to hear is, Dad, listen to me. Dad heard what I said. 
Dad cares about me. So, loved. In Luke chapter 9, verse 35, short little verse, but this is when, as you look at it, as you look it up, I'll give you time, but this was happening at the transfiguration when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountainside with Jesus, and you see three pillars. They see these three uh, well, they, Peter recommends the pillars, but what they, they see is that they see that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are, are, are standing before God in a way, and they're, they're talking to each other. And after that, Peter's like, hey, let, let's build pillars of, of all three of you, and let, let's, let's build a monument here so that people can come worship you. And then boldly, Jesus, you know, God, all the other people disappear. Moses and uh, Elijah disappear, and it's only Jesus. And this voice comes from heaven, and this is God speaking. This is my son, my one. Listen to him. Making a declaration that there is a separation between Moses and Elijah, that Jesus is the path. That he is the chosen one. He is the one that God has provided for us to put our faith and trust in. So my next point, and it goes back to the first verse in Luke that I shared with you, is that God is proud of who Jesus is. God is very proud. Now there's different kinds of pride. Being proud of someone is, is, is just that you, you, you value who they are and you want them to know that they're valuable and that you're excited for them. You're a cheerleader for them. You're pleased with their behavior. And that's what Jesus is receiving from his father, is that he's pleased with him. How many stories have we seen? I, me and my wife used to watch this intervention show, and I know the statistics are high, and, and all the different communities that struggle of fatherlessness, of not having a dad around. And I see these shows like Intervention and you hear about the stories of, of why they started using drugs and things and there's usually a dad story of how they felt like they weren't valued or cared about or they didn't know that they were loved. Sometimes our kids just need to know that we love them and that we care about them. Yeah, there's a lot of times that I can tell you and I can confess to you that there's a lot of times my kids drive me crazy. There's a lot of times my kids just like, why are you thinking? Why are you doing this? What, what's going on? But at the end of it, do they, know that, do they know that you're proud of them? When they do something right, it isn't just the bar is there and that you're just satisfied with what they've done, that you're actually proud of their accomplishments, and that you appreciate the work that they put into doing that. I think about being proud is also of hope, but a lot of kids need to have hope. They understand that they're not perfect. They understand that they're flawed. They understand that there's issues that they have in their life, but do they have somebody that's proud of them for the person that they are, that they have value inside of them, that they can achieve, that they can persevere, that they can succeed at some point in their life? Do they have hope? 
Do they know that there's a possibility for change to happen in their life? Do they have somebody believing in them? Do I give that to my kids? Do my kids know that I believe in them? That despite all their mistakes, despite all their flaws, that I believe they can succeed for Christ. That I, can, I believe that they can be good for God. That no matter what their past has done, no matter how many times they failed me in some area, that I know with Christ's help that they can be successful in life. They can do something of value and make a difference in this world. Do I believe in my kids? Am I proud of them? Well, here goes my mess up. I'll go ahead and allow it to be on the screen here. My son, Friday night, wins an award. And I felt bad already, and I, you know, I just made it a, I was wanting to get my vehicle, my vehicle was in the shop, and I was trying to get it before his, his, his program, missed part of his program, so I wasn't, even a, I wasn't even there to see him get this award, okay? But this award basically says that he had, throughout his career at Emerson Elementary, he had great attendance, great GPA, um, you know, and all these things. And, and I'm not trying to belittle this, but I, I already messed it up, so I might as well, right? But, but he got this award, and uh, great dad moment. Not, not really, it's a terrible dad moment. He's, he, we're in the car, we, we did this thing, we, we went to Jackson Park, they had a little celebration at a shelter, we were outside, and we got in the car, and he's sitting next to me in the front seat, I'm in the driver's seat, and he shows me the award. And instead of acknowledging it, saying, good job, you know, I'm so proud of you, I was like, boy, I wish you could have worked a little harder to get those grades up before the end of this year. And that was my statement. It's kind of the way we kind of think sometimes, don't we? I mean, to be honest. But I missed, I missed the opportunity, and I asked him today if I could share this, because I want to be honest with you. I'm not perfect at this either. I could have taken a great opportunity to tell my son, hey, I'm glad you went to school. I'm proud of you for accomplishing. And he also got kind of like a little silly award, but it meant a lot to us that he was the most courteous or the most helpful in class. And that, that should be something I should be very proud of. But instead I ruined, I ruined a perfectly good moment. And later I had to apologize and say, son, I'm sorry. I should have just been encouraging you and saying, hey, you did a good job, I'm proud of you. Instead of looking at what he didn't do, I should have just took the moment to thank him for what he did do. And it's interesting because as soon as the words came in my mouth, I could tell his demeanor changed. His demeanor where he was proud of himself he kind of just slumped down and felt defeated. And I think about how our words really do have power. That God spoke the world and all the heavens into existence. And what we fail to realize as mankind is that our words have meaning. And our kids, no matter how good or bad of a dad you think you are, your words can mean a lot to your son or daughter. 
And so I missed an opportunity there. In John chapter 12, verse 49, it says this, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I, what I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. John chapter 12, verse 49 through 50. As, we, as I share this, I think about how God gave him opportunity, gave Jesus opportunity. He gave him authority to do things. I didn't share all the verses, but I mean, we could go through and make an account of all these opportunities that, that Jesus was given by God to prove who he was. All the miracles he happened, many people would ask him, by whose authority are you doing these things? Sometimes he would respond as, well, I'll, you ask me a question, I'll ask you a question, and if, if you answer my question, I'll tell you by whose authority. Other times he would just plainly say, it's God, it's by God's authority. How could I do these things without it being God giving me the authority to do these things? One of the, big, one of the biggest things we can give our kids is opportunity. We can give them authority and responsibility, I guess would be a better word, is I can give my kids responsibility. I can give them things that, that maybe I do all the time that I can let them do and experience. That I don't have to be the one in the spotlight all the time. I don't have to be the one controlling everything all the time. That I can give them a self-worth to give them some responsibility of some things that they can accomplish, that they can do, that they can be successful. See, our job as parents is not for us to protect them and, and hold them back and hold them down and just keep them safe until they get out of our house and we just send them out and say, okay, you figure it out. My job as a parent is to equip them and get them ready to leave my house so that we're there, when they leave my house, they're ready to go and they can get function and then they can do things for themselves. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it at all, but I've enjoyed that so much in, in ministry. And I want to do that same thing for my kids to give them a chance, give them opportunities, that I don't have to always be the one that does things for them, that they can do it themselves, that they have responsibility, they have authority over parts of their life as they grow, as they get older, that they can manage, that they can take care of things. And I think that's an important job as a father, to bestow on his son or his daughter the ability to do things for themselves. Not to leave them, but to walk beside them. But when it's time to let go, we let go. It's just like riding a bike, right? It's so hard, it's risky, right? It's risky when you teach a child to ride a bike. You know, maybe you have a four or five year old and you're walking with them and you're, you got your hands on the handlebar and, and you got your other hand on the wheel and you're walking with them. And, and at what point do you just let go? At what point do you just let them have authority over the bike to have that responsibility that they can be successful? But that's what God did with Jesus. He trusted Jesus. Of course, we know he was a part of the Trinity. But again, I love the imagery here that God is showing us how to raise our kids through his own son. He's showing us the way. So authority is very important. John chapter five, verse 18 through 20. 
Another section here that we look at, John chapter five, verse 18 through 20, it says this. Actually, we'll pick up with 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I tell you, the son of God can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. The father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel. So the last thing is this, this morning, is as a father we need to empower. I think about empowerment as an encouragement. We need to encourage our kids. Continue to walk with them. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't discipline our kids. It's just not that that's a part of this message. But I think that with a long discipline, we can't just discipline, 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 right? There has to be discipline and there also has to be encouragement. There has to be encouragement. I'm a sinner. I have messed up my life in areas. I'm putting my faith and trust in Christ to redeem me, to use me, to wash away my sins. I'm not perfect. My kids will never be perfect. So I need to discipline them, but I also need to encourage them. And again, that goes with, along with hope, that I'm giving them some hope, that I spur them on, that I'm a cheerleader for them. I'm empowering them to be able to be successful. I'm teaching them along the way. I'm passing lessons on. And I love that verse here where it talks about Jesus is saying, the Father has shown me. The Father is teaching me. The Father, I have not done anything on my own. The Father is in my presence, in my life. And he's teaching me and leading me. Showing me things. Empowering me. In the same way for us that we empower our kids. That we encourage them along the way that we're a big fan of theirs, but we're also giving them skills, get, developing abilities in them, teaching them things so that they can go and be successful. And you know, I know there's different types of dads. You know, I'm scared for my kids with a hammer because I'm not very crafty. I'm not very. Uh, I'm not a carpenter. Uh, if you want to nail in crooked, I'm your guy, right? But what other things can I teach my kids? What things can I pass on and down to my, my kids so they know? See, it's not all about what you do know or what you don't know or what you can do or what you can't do. It's about what you have and you give it. It's about the knowledge that you have already and you pass it down to the next generation. You know why? As we can complain about the next generation, I know I'm, I'm a... I'm an ex-gen, so I, I kind of relate to the baby boomers. I'm in the middle. I, better, I relate to baby boomers in some ways, and I relate to the millennials. But if there's not going to be people like us to develop the younger generation and pass it down and empower them to be successful, one day we will not be here anymore. And so it's wise and just important for us as parents, as leaders, to make sure the generation that's down below us is equipped and ready to do the things that they need to do for God. In closing, I just want to share this last verse. John chapter 17, verse 23 through 24. This is Jesus' Jesus's prayer before he dies. 
He says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the whole world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you've given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. There's just great love between God and Jesus. We see that. As we close, when we have a moment of prayer, I think about the fact that Jesus had this great Father in God. I want to be a good dad. I won't probably be like God, but I want to be a good dad. I know most of us here want to be good fathers. We want to be good, good parents to our kids. We want to make a difference, and many of you already have. Many of you have success stories where you've seen your kids do some really great things for the Lord. Make sure you tell them. You know, it's interesting, me and Pastor Mark, we did uh, our devotions this week at a cemetery. And we didn't talk to each other beforehand. It was just something we just, it just happened. But as I think about that, I think I always think about a funeral, I think about this. What was left unsaid? What would that person tell us now? Was there, was there one final word that they would like to have given to, to their kids, to their, to their wife, to their spouse? Did they have the chance or did they have the opportunity to say it? See, I think this, I think we, we wait too long sometimes to say the things that are most important, that we're proud of somebody, that we love them, that we acknowledge who they are. And I don't think that's something we should wait till we die. I think that's something we should say just like God did in front of everyone. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Lord, I just thank you for everything you do. And as we move into this time of communion, I thank you for the opportunities you give us. And pray, Lord, you just help us as parents to be able to display some of these things we talked about. And looking at your example, Lord, we should always look to what you do and how you do it. I know this is something we don't always talk about, about how you really believed in your son and how you loved him, how you took ownership of him. You were proud of who he was. Help us to display these things in our kids' lives so they know that as fathers that we care about them, that we value them, and that our words do matter. And just be with us as we take this time of communion because it's because of what you did for us and because of your son laying down his life for us that we can become the fathers that we need to be. And it's because of your sacrifice that we are able to come to you and call upon you and call you Abba, Father. So you're our Father, Lord. And for many of us that have not had good dads or good fathers in our lives, we, we know that we can have you as our Father and that you worship, you know, we can worship you and honor you and you love us and you care for us. So just be with us now. In your wonderful name, I pray, Jesus. Amen.